New York City is full of hidden secrets, odd features, or interesting facts not known to most people. For example, did you know that south of Manhattan and east of Brooklyn, there is an island in the middle of the harbor? Like a beautiful oasis in the middle of a sprawling desert, Governor's Island stands today as a quiet little island with no permanent inhabitants. Rather, there is a selection of old military forts that are now museums, hiking spots, and areas for other recreational activities, and events leaving behind many types of trees, hundreds of species of birds, and even some chilling ghost stories. Governor's Island is the complete opposite of the noisy and busy city that surrounds it. Interestingly enough, the only way to reach this 172-acre island is through a ferry ride. While Governor's Island is a shadow of its former self, this land holds an illustrious history that goes back hundreds of years, far before the United States was even an independent country. In fact, this tiny island in New York played a pivotal role in both the American Revolutionary War and the War of 1812 in which American nationhood was successfully protected. Most people may have never even heard of Governor's Island, yet its secrets have defined history. So join me as we discover New York's Governor's Island. I'm your host, Ryan Sokash, and you're watching It's History. Before Europeans set foot on North American shores, the land that would become Governor's Island was instead a hunting ground rather than a military installation and tourist attraction it would later become. But even early on, people were able to recognize the beauty and uniqueness of this tiny green speck in the middle of the water. You see, across cultures, this island has always been regarded as a natural wonder, even as it was used for many different purposes by many different people. The Lenape people were the Native American tribe who lived in the area that would become Manhattan, and they called Governor's Island Paganik which refers to the large amount of nut trees that are on the island. It was initially thought that this island was where some of the Lenape communities lived, but further archaeological investigation indicates that the Lenape Indians did not actually live there. Rather, they would come to the island to hunt, fish, or gather food like the aforementioned nuts. Meanwhile, 1609 would mark the year that Henry Hudson would reach New York Harbor. Hudson, who was employed by the Dutch to discover a northern path to Asia, instead came across a previously undiscovered land by Europeans, which would eventually become New York. In this unexplored place, Hudson found a plethora of natural resources, such as timber and fur, so much so that the Dutch West India Company was formed and they started exploring all along the coast, looking for more and more valuable materials. A little over a decade later, a community of families from the French-speaking Wallon region in southern Belgium began building settlements in this new land. As for the island of Peganik, they called it Nutten Island, a Dutch translation for the Lenape name. Eventually, the island was settled by some of the Walloon families, and as more and more people came over, they eventually moved across the water to the larger island, which would later become Manhattan. Overall, these settlements would eventually grow into a Dutch colony of New Amsterdam, with Nutten Island being an integral part of the community due to its easy accessibility by water and its abundance of natural resources. Then in 1637, a 
man named Wouter Van Tiller, who was the governor director of New Amsterdam at the time, purchased the entire island from the Lenape, and Nutten Island became his own private property. Van Twiller would go on to build the prominent windmill and military fort, both of which would eventually define the island's purpose for centuries. Years later though, Van Twiller eventually left the New World and traveled back to the Netherlands, leaving Nutten Island in the hands of the Dutch West India Company, who controlled the smaller island for the next few decades, until the British would arrive. Throughout the 1660s and the 1670s, England began to flex her naval muscles as the kingdom gained more control over North America. Through both negotiation and military coercion, England was able to slowly gobble up all the Dutch territories in the region. For example, in 1664, the English Navy arrived in the New Amsterdam Harbor, forcing the Dutch to surrender their land. Not too long after, in 1673, the Dutch were able to retake Manhattan in the midst of the Third Anglo-Dutch War. But following the war's end and the subsequent peace treaty, they actually gave the territory back to the new owners, England, in return for Suriname in South America. Nutten Island, along with the rest of New York, would now remain English, at least for the time being. Referring back to the island's natural beauty, the English reserved this place for, quote, the benefit and accommodation of his majesty governors. This is where the island then got its name, Governor's Island, which it still holds to this day. Over the next century, Governor's Island and the fort that resided there remained an important part of defense and protection of England's New York colony. Come the 1770s, and the American colonists have grown so far apart from their English motherland that they began to feel as if they were an independent nation and people. The harsh British taxation and other intrusive policies then ignited the spark of revolution and the American War for Independence began. Being one of the biggest cities throughout the 13 colonies, New York City and the rest of the New York colony, more importantly, who controlled it, was deemed a crucial priority by both General George Washington's Continental Army and the British Army under General William Howe. In fact, New York City became the stage of the first massive battle of the Revolutionary War. In the Battle of Brooklyn, General Washington's Continental Army wilted under the relentless bombardment of Britain's naval siege. While Washington himself and his army were cleverly able to evade capture and eventually regroup before changing their grand strategy, the British would occupy and hold New York for the entirety of the war, where Governor's Island was repurposed into a British fort. By the end of the conflict, though, Washington's brilliant yet unorthodox tactics paid off, and the British were forced to surrender after a long war of attrition. This meant that the United States had successfully fought and won their independence. As a brand new nation, one of the first nationwide policies that the U.S. implemented was the protection of their borders and coasts. This was crucial given that the new and fragile country, which spanned a wide territory and contained many natural resources, was vulnerable to exploitation or even invasion by one of the big European colonial powers. They especially had Britain on their mind, who wanted to reincorporate her rebellious North American colonies 
back into her empire. The U.S. government went about this defense policy, which was called the Federal System of Coastal Defense, by building several forts along the East Coast at the most important harbors or ports. These forts were meant to be strong enough to repel naval attacks, but they also housed the local militia as well. Because of Governor's Island's strategic position in New York, two new forts were constructed here, Fort Jay and Castle Williams. Fort Jay was built in 1794 and was constructed upon the old existing fort, which was originally built by the Dutch and ultimately saw combat in the Revolutionary War. Two decades later, a man named Colonel Jonathan Williams, who was also the first American military engineer, developed an experimental defense mechanism which involved a series of smaller fortifications placed in a circular formation around the harbor. This whole complex would then be known as Castle Williams. Both forts played pivotal roles in the War of 1812 as the formidable American defense stopped the British from entering New York's harbor, forcing them to resort to a naval blockade instead. While historians debate over which side truly won the war, if even there was a victor given that both the US and Britain were able to inflict heavy damage upon each other, the fact of the matter is that the US was able to validate their independence by successfully defending their sovereignty and remaining separate from the British Empire, with the forts on Governor's Island playing a huge role in the success. However, by the mid-1800s, the forts on Governor's Island grew obsolete, with the emergence of new military technologies, such as ironclad warships that could easily penetrate the defense of those older fortifications. But even still, Governor's Island remained an important military installation, used for many non-combat roles such as recruitment and training centers, barracks, stockpiles, an arsenal, an army school, and even briefly a military prison in the Civil War meant to hold Confederate soldiers. In 1878, Governor's Island became the army headquarters for the military division of the Atlantic and Department of the East, meaning they coordinated major army operations in the eastern half of the U.S. and Atlantic Ocean. Because of this drastic change in purpose, their personnel also now changed with many high-ranking officers moving in along with their families, of course, resulting in a small, quiet suburb being constructed. Despite geographically being completely surrounded by the loud, bustling and crowded New York City, Governor's Island, with the army headquarters and adjacent town, was ironically the opposite of New York City, being a generally peaceful and calm community. This all culminated in the cultural transformation of Governor's Island. Seeing it go from a simple yet necessary military fortification meant to protect New York to now a prestigious and high-class institution where some of the most important military decisions were made alongside a small and quiet town. For instance, the famous D-Day invasion of Normandy, France in June of 1944, which eventually led to the Allied liberation of Europe in World World War II was practically planned here at Governor's Island. As a result, the Greater New York Society then became enamored with Governor's Island and its inhabitants. 
often reporting about their activities in newspapers, such as prominent officers' marriages, important military decisions or events. Beyond the prestige of the Army's headquarters being on the island, it's also likely that the New York citizens were so interested in Governor's Island due to the aura of mystery which surrounded it, as well as its uniqueness and drastic societal differences to the rest of the city. By 1964, internal changes within the US military would also see change arrive on the shores of Governor's Island. That year, the US Army announced it would close down its New York post and hand them over to the Coast Guard. By the midway point of that decade, Governor's Island was no longer the Army's headquarters in control of the eastern United States. Rather now, it was a Coast Guard outpost ensuring the safety of New York's coast. While the day-to-day -day operations on Governor's Island were now vastly different and carried less weight, the place that the island held in New York society remained the same, with the fascination and curiosity staying. After 30 years under the banner of the US Coast Guard, the island's two-century-long service as an American military fortification would come to an end, as the ever-changing modern world meant coastal forts like those here were no longer worth their high price of maintenance. Nowadays, the island is under civilian control and has no permanent residence, but it is a massively popular tourist attraction where many can behold the natural beauty as well as the illustrious history which existed on the island. Despite being such a small piece of land, Governor's Island has seen a long lineage of American history, going back before the unified and distinct American culture was ever formed, let alone the sovereign nation. And yet, if you didn't know any better, you'd easily overlook it. But perhaps that's the point. Anyhow, thanks for watching. Hit that subscribe button for new videos every Thursday and Saturday. Click join to watch our exclusive tours of Urban Decay, and don't miss our video about the history of Newspaper Row. Until next time, this is Ryan Sokash, signing off.